So let's go to our first scripture. First scripture. It will be found in Haggai. The book of Haggai, chapter 1. Hallelujah. And when you're there, say amen. When you're there, say amen. Father, I thank you for this word. Thank you, Father, for who you are, Lord. Father, I decrease, Father, as you continuously increase, Lord. Father, I am that I am, by, but by your grace. That's the only reason why I'm here, Lord. Not by my works, not by my talents, Lord. None of us here, Father, are here by that. But, Father, we're here. We're worshiping you, and we're thanking you because you saved us. And, Father, we're, we are forever grateful. Father, we're loyal to you first. We love you more than anything else. We love you more than our spouses, our cars, our assets, our friends, our own talents, our own money, our own houses, Lord, our jobs. Father, we put you before all of that. And, Father, as the word goes forth this morning, Father, be glorified. Father, use me as you see fit. Whatever you want me to say, have me to say, Lord, I'll do it. I humble myself before you, Lord God. I base myself. Father, you receive all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the book of Haggai, Old Testament book, amen. Chapter 1, Haggai chapter 1, y'all. And King James chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Verses 1 through 10, amen. It's right after Zephaniah, another minor prophet. And it reads in chapter 1, verse 1, in the second year of that. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet unto Zerubbabel, and the son of Shetel, governor of, Ju of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Verse 3, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, in this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bringing little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. <laughs> ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for so much and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow it upon it. I, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is in waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore, verse 10, therefore, the heaven over you <laughs> is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. Wow. I want to teach from the point today, this morning, of honor. Amen. Everybody say honor. 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 Colon, <laughs> subscribing to our pastor's vision, comma, evangelism. Honor, subscribing to our pastor's vision, comma, evangelism. Amen? You can all be seated. 
Thank y'all for standing up for the word to honor the word. Amen. Since joining KCOH, I've learned a lot about honor, y'all. I've learned a lot about honor. Um, I've been a part of this ministry for about eight years, and it's been nothing but a blessing to me. Um, I've learned a lot. <laughs> and those who know, I've learned a lot. Even in my, my vocation, I've learned a lot. I'm a man of authority, under authority, amen? I remember, I remember growing up in Brooklyn, I remember having to learn honor the hard way. You know, the streets have their own code of honor, right? You got colors and gang members and stuff like that. But I had to learn the hard way. Um, one of the things we would say to honor the people, <laughs> the people in the hood is, what up, son? How you doing? What's good? Right? And then there was a code of honor for my parents. I couldn't go to my parents and say, what up, son? I would have some swinging upside my forehead, right? <laughs> I say, what up, son? And I'd be ducking. So there was an honor, an honor period in my life what I had to learn. And we all go through it. I think Pastor taught about it years ago uh, about arrested development, right? There's certain stages in life where we, we have to go through. You know, we have to go to pre-K. We have to, you know, if we're skipped, obviously we are before our time. But if we held back in grades and it, 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 held, it holds us back, um, if we don't learn how to tie our shoes, when we get to the whatever grade, we may look, you know, it's just, it's just backward. It's backward, just topsy-turvy. So to be in order, we have to do things on time. And for that, we need to practice honor, amen? Because honor will, will, will put you in a position to succeed in that. Today, we're going to get in a word about the book of Haggai. Right? I want to give you a little brief history. Haggai was a minor prophet. All right, at this time, they were in captivity in Persia, right? If you want to learn more, go back to the book of Ezra, read chapters 1 through 6, and you'll see how God heard their cry, and he wanted them to go back to Jerusalem, build the temple. So finally it came, King Darius, <laughs> the mighty King Darius. I mean, the, remember the word says the king, the hearts, the, the king of the heart is in God's hands, right? And he, the Bible says he moved on King Darius' heart, and he heard their cry. And he said, you know what? Go to Jerusalem and build that temple. I want, I want to bless you. Not only that, I'm going to fund it, right? So he mandated an executive order, so to speak. If our governor were to do that, right? Hey, all churches open. I don't care what nobody says. Churches is open, right? So that's what he did for the people of Israel. And Haggai was used. Obviously, Ezra, he was describing, went back, and he had to te reteach him all the laws of Moses, uh, all the, uh, the feasts and the tabernacles and all the sacraments and the, all the rituals. He had to write them again and teach them and re retrain everybody. And then Nehemiah obviously went there. He was the builder. He helped out. We all know that story, right? So Haggai, they've been there for some time now. So King Darius says, you know what? Go over there and, and do that, and which they slowly did. Not everybody wanted to go, right? Not everybody left, but most of them did. And they're building a wall. But God used Haggai. He said, go to my people and tell them this. <laughs> he said, tell them this. In verse 4, I'll paraphrase. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses in the house of God lying waste? So what this means is, so why he blessed them, why he brought them out of, of Persia, out of captivity, they were there and they were focused on their own self. <laughs> Literally. They will focus on their own houses, their cars, if it was today, right? Building their roofs and, oh, I want to make sure this is nice, a nice ceiling fan. Uh, how can I pave the driveway? And the Lord's house was all laid in ruins. It's, nothing was being built. Nothing was being built. 
the people were seen prioritizing their own interests rather than fulfilling God's vision. That's all they were doing. They were prioritizing. They, they, they had misprioritization. They were focused on the wrong thing, right? They said, thank you, Lord, for rescuing us, but see you later. We got our own stuff, right? Now we're going to build our own economy. God is not involved, right? Amen. And we're going to build our own houses, our cars. We're going to seek to get married. And, you know, if you read the book of Ezra and everything, I mean, he even rebukes them for uh, intermarrying, marrying other people from other nations. You know, he was kind of strict on that. He was a scribe. So he was, he was uh, promoting the law of Moses. But prioritization, they were not prioritizing what God a freedom to do in the first place. And in verse 6, if you go down, it says, Ye have sown so much and bringing little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but you are not filled with drink, meaning you're always thirsty. I clothe you, but you're, for some reason you're never warm. And he that earneth wages, so us who are always working, always grinding, always got three, four, five jobs. I've had five, six, and seven, eight EJs, whatever, right? And I never have enough. That's what this verse is saying. And what God is ultimately saying is due to their lack of honor, due to their lack of honor in verse 6, they were slow to prosper. They were slow to prosper. We have to, we have to put God first, y'all. And, and the whole thing about this whole message, I want to I show everyone how God sees honor, right? We may see honor in a different way. We may honor someone in our speech. We may say, God bless you. We may, hey, hey, you know, hey, what up, blood? What up, gangster? Whatever. You know, I, know, I remember Dame Dash, a secular artist, a secular producer. Some of you may know him by Honor Up, a movie he made years ago. I've never seen it, but I've, I've learned what, what he meant by it. And he's known in the industry for you know, honor, you know, don't, don't, don't cross the people that, that's helping you. Don't, don't bite the hand that's feeding you, all that kind of stuff. To the point where he created a whole movie called Honor Up. <laughs> Talking about don't snitch, don't do this. So the streets even honor that stuff, man. They honor it. Don't snitch, man. I'm snitching. I ain't going to jail for nobody. <laughs> Amen. But in, in the code of the streets, the street is honor. Honor, 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 honor. That's what they live by. You, you get caught. Hey, that's you you got got. Don't tell nobody. Hey, do your time, and I'll see you on your way out if you get out. Amen? <laughs> Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And when you're there, say amen. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And it reads, and it came to pass, this is Jesus, and it came to pass as he, as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a city village, a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. So when you see that word afar off, that was according to the law of Moses, right? When you had leprosy, you had to be banned from the camp. You had to be far away. You could not have, there was social distancing, literally. You could not come close to anybody who was a leper, right? Because you would get it. It was for real. Like, you touch somebody, man, your arms start turning white, pussed, and it started getting maimed, and it was bad. It was bad. So you were considered a curse. Verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go shoo, shoo yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass 
that as they went, they were cleansed. So that means as they were going, they were cleansed. Jesus, Jesus healed them instantly. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was completely healed, that he was healed, he turned back with a loud voice and glorified God. So basically he said, wow, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Turn back. Thank you. That's what he did. And fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Like, thank you. So much gratitude. And he was a Samaritan. So the Samaritans were cousins, so to speak, of the Jews. They didn't get along. You know, they just like how it is today with, um, with, uh, with Israel and Palestine and, you know, same type of thing. Same thing. And Jesus answered, said, were there not ten that were cleansed? I'm like, why are you the only one here giving me thanks? Why? why? Ten of y'all were saved? Ten of y'all were healed? And only one came back? Man, Jesus was scratching his head like, what? Like, why are you only coming back? <laughs> That's what he says in verse 16. <laughs> in verse 17. And he said, but where, <laughs> he said, where are there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Where are the rest of them at? Where are they at? They are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger, meaning this Samaritan. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. Can you believe, like, even now, making it, making it relative to today, right? We have people give us, give us jobs. We have spouses. We have uh, friends. We have ministers. We have uh, friends in the ministry, right? We have uh, people that bless us. We have our pastor, right? We have our pastor. I mean, people could do so many good things for us. And sometimes we just walk away without even saying thank you. No honor whatsoever. No honor. And like the book of Haggai says, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll work. We'll have wages. We'll work 10 jobs. But our houses, our houses are always, something's going to be wrong. Our cars will be breaking down. We will always need money. There will always be something because of our lack of honor. That's real talk. Our lack of honor. Honor will always increase you. Dishonor will take away the access from people. It would. I know for sure it would for me. I remember when, I think last year this time, or during Mother's Day, I sent three mothers in another city $50 out of my own hard-earned money, right? <laughs> they didn't ask for it. They didn't even, even expect it. So one sister, um, who also was a mother, I sent her the most because she was the most, she was honoring. And she said, you know, Pat, I've heard from the others that they said you giving them $50, um, your church, that, that's, a, that's, a part, that's, a, that's a witchcraft thing that his church does or something like that. I said, what? Like, that is weird. Like, and you know, sometimes if you learn about warfare and witches, right, they'll say something stupid or do something crazy or it, it don't make sense. Like, how is $50 witchcraft? Isn't it money? Can you buy some with it? Like, you know, it's, it's a blessing to me. But it's like, no, no, he's just doing that because he's practicing some witchcraft, and that's why he sent us all $50. Never again say lack of honor. <laughs> lack of honor. Now the sister, now the sister that did honor, oh yeah, she gets. She gets. Sometimes we send her stuff, man. She's honoring, man. She's such a blessing. She's an honoring, honor. And that's pretty much the only family I really have, really, is my sister. I lost both of my parents, even during that time. It was very difficult this time last year. And, you know. My mom passed away on, on a Friday, right? The world calls it Good Friday, right? We call it Good Friday. So on Good Friday, then my dad passed away on Easter Sunday, right? So I'm on the phone with, whoop, with the same people, you know, hey, you know, and 
you know, the black family, man, it's just, we need to forgive, y'all. Say, we need to forgive. We need to forgive, man. I mean, even in this deathbed, they were still holding on. So those you don't know, I'm the only child between my dad and my mom. My dad was married before, he had other children, and my mom had a prior relationship, she had my sisters. And for some reason, I've always been in the middle, but I've never really understood. I, I've never seen hate or anything growing up. They loved me. It appeared so. I mean, they, they raised me. They, 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 babys- they babysat for me, you know, sometimes in, in moaning, oh, I got to do this, whatever, because they were teenagers. They're all about 10 to 15 years older than me. But it wasn't until I became a Christian that all the hate, I don't know, what's going on? I haven't done anything to you. Like, I'm, a, I'm the baby in the whole family on both sides. What have I done to you? What, what could I even have possibly done to you at my age? Nothing. I'm in high school. You having kids. Like, I have no affiliation to what you're doing. But during this time, during my, uh, when my dad passed, I was on the phone with one of them, and they said, oh, you know, you didn't tell us about your dad passing away, whatever. I said, well, I didn't want to seem selfish because I know you guys don't like my dad. So I wanted to just honor our mother and keep it there, and I'll deal with my dad. No, you should have told us about your dad. And I said, you're a liar, and you come from a poisonous general area. That's what she told me. I said, my dad is dead. Like, there's no honor at all. Even he's lying in the ca- Like, he's dead. He's not even existing anymore, right? His soul is with the Lord, I believe, because last year, I mean, 2019, I was able to win him to Christ. And in 2020, I was able to, to get him again to make sure on, on his bed. But I'm like, man, like, that is so dishonorable. So never again, <laughs> never again. And I had to basically handle everything from here, which was an honor. I made peace with them. I mean, I love my parents. And, and when, I be, when I got saved, and that's what the Lord does, he really changes your heart. Second uh, Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? A new. That's what he did for me. That's what he did for me. I saw things differently. I, I used to dishonor my parents. Like, man, you don't know what you're talking about, whatever. And as I got older, and then when I got saved, I was like, Man, I realize in my household, we never said I love you. So I started saying, Mom, I love you. And you see the discomfort in their face. You know, people who know Caribbean people. I love you, huh? Ma, I love you, huh? You know? Dad, hey, what up, Pops? I started calling him Pops. I used to call him by his real name. Hey, what up, Pops? How you doing, man? I love you, man. He, huh? Like, what's wrong with this dude, you know? And I, and, I, and I practiced that, and especially because I wanted to honor them, right? That's the first commandment with a promise. You honor your parents. And you will live a long life. So due to their lack of honor, right, the book of Haggai says they, they, they were slow to prosper. Jesus healed 10 people, 10 lepers who had to be socially distanced by, by the law of Moses. And there's no, not even government can get past that. I don't care where they were at. They would have to, hey, you got, you got to stay away, bro. Stay away. But only one came back thanking God. We can also make this relative and say people have come here and received blessings. I remember we, we've done several events here where we've given, we given away like 60-inch TVs or something. I mean, giving away clothing, brand new clothing. I mean, toys for Christmas. I mean, giving away stuff for Harvey. I mean, we've been funding. We, and we, I remember that in Pontra. I remember being there. And the Red Cross would deliver all that stuff to us. And, and we would have to just sit there and labor. We would have like five different tables on five different walls, right? Clothing, coats, food, or whatever. 
And people will come. I'm coming to church. I'm, oh, thank you. Y'all are such a blessing. Thank you for KCOS. Oh, my gosh. Hallelujah. We would go, me, me and Courtney at one time, right? We would go and try to paint people's sidewalks with the numbers. Nothing. I mean, that was pretty hard, right? It was learning it. How we do this? We had the stencils and the spray paint. Everything we did, they would come and take and no ROI. No return on investment. It was, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. We come to church. We receive our blessings, we receive our jobs, right? We receive our children, whatever it is. I mean, pastor has, uh, through the Lord, has helped many marriages stay together, you know, and they leave. And I, I don't say that in, just to make a point, but it really is really sad because it, it's not them that they're, that they're hurting, it's their lineage. So it's kind of like if you plant here in a good church, right, and you get blessed and your marriage is saved, right, Who's going to get blessed? Even if you don't want to be here or whatever, man, for the sake of your kids, right? There's other children in here. They can, they can, you know, have some friends. They can see some order. They can see other kids say hallelujah, right? You know, just being blessed by association. But nope, they'd rather go to another church and, and do what they want or whatever, and they miss out. They'll miss out. So let's not do that, y'all. Let's not do that, especially here in us. I know sometimes life gets hard, and we get in our emotions, right? Um, you know, we, we have control over our soul, right? Our mind, will, and emotions. We lay hands on ourselves. We anoint ourselves with oil. We do all the necessary stuff. We have tools to fight. We got faith. We got the prayer line. We got touching and agreeing. We got the gifts of the spirit, right? We got this pastor praying for us. We got counseling. We got spiritual counseling. We got regular counseling. Whatever is needed, but we don't ever want to miss out. We don't ever want to just tell God, I got it from here, or thank you, but this. Thank you, but I'm out. Thank you, but I'm still going here anyway. Let me explain what honor is. Honor is essentially putting God first. That's what honor is. Honor is putting God first, right? It is also giving God first. First fruits, giving God first. First of your, first of your increase, giving God first. First, first person to receive uh, your tithe, not the government. Right? Usually when I get paid on, on the days I get paid and everything, and um, before I do it, I don't care if it's gas. That's just me. I, I'm not telling you how to do that, but that's just me. It helps me, like, it keeps me, it keeps my honor up, if you will. <laughs> it keeps my honor up, right? Um, so before I get gas, I don't care if it's 5 o'clock in the morning, I see the, I see the, the money coming in, in the account. I say, you know what? Nah, man, I, I ain't spending nothing. I, and I, I do it to the best of my ability. I'm not over much with it. Obviously, I have to use my card or something. I will. But my normal practice is, man, let me pay my tithes first. No matter what, let me give God first. I don't know, no, hold on, hold on. Before we go to that restaurant, did we pay tithes? No, no, let me give Because I, I, I want to have that instilled in me. You know, I want to be in God's sweet spot. I want to show him that, hey, you are first in my life, no matter what. And putting the people you honor first, that's honor. Putting the people that, that's honored you, honor them first, right? So in our church is who? There you go, our pastor. No matter what, just honor him. No matter what's going on in the church, what you heard or whatever, man, give him due honor. Just from him occupying our office, God, God gave him that office. He's giving him this office, right? It's not him who wanted to, uh, I'm going to create a church and I'm going to be my own God and, and I'm going to create this. No, no, he's following the vision of Jesus Christ, right? He's making disciples. He's equipping us, right? He's a gift. That last exhortation I gave in Ephesians 4, the pastor is a gift. The prophet is a gift. The evangelist is a gift. The pastor is a gift, right? The teacher is a gift. He's given us gifts so that we can be equipped for the perfecting of the saints. 
Amen? I want to do a brief exercise real quick of the people we should honor by default. I want to see the level of honor in this room. Right? Let's see. Should we honor our spouse or a stranger first? Okay. Should we honor our employees or employer first? There you go. There, there it is. Here's a good one. The president is in the same room where Black Lives Matter, and he walks in the room. Who do we honor first? <laughs> you are a USA Olympian. You are in the Olympic trials. You made it. You, you won gold, silver, bronze, whatever. And then they got you standing in the, in the center. And whether you gold, you be up here. Whether you bronze, you be in the second level. And first level be, you know, the silver. And they sing the national anthem. Should you take a knee or should you stand? <laughs> if you have the flag, should you put it around your neck and just represent or should you throw it down? There you go. That's honor. <laughs> How about this? You go to a good church like this one, right? You go to a good church. <laughs> should you talk bad about your church and the people in it? Exactly. And those are the basic things of honor. Honor is not something... I didn't soldier like it don't, it don't take all that all the time. That's a form of honor too in that realm. That is honor, even in policing. I mean, <laughs> we we have a, a, a acting sergeant, right? He's an acting captain. But every day, hey captain, how you doing? I'm not a captain. I'm a sergeant. But man, like you're act you're an acting captain though. Like I'm gonna honor you where you at. But now I don't do that because I'm gonna honor what he told me to do, right? But my heart was in the right place. I want to honor you for your difference. That's what is it. That's what it's all about. Honoring people for their differences. If we hold these things and these people in honor, how much more should we honor God and his agenda? How much more should we honor God and his agenda? I always say the greatest miracle that God has ever allowed us to see. I know some of us want to see, you know, the burning bush, Moses throwing out his rod and it turned into a snake. And he pick it back up and turn it again. We want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. You lay hands on the sick and they be healed. You know, the blind man can see. You lay hands on, you lay hands on the maimed. They could get up and walk and all that kind of stuff. Raising, raising dead. All of that are, are great miracles. It is. But for me, the, great, the greatest miracle of the gospel is how God could change a, a man, a person. Literally, from the slump, whether you're a crackhead, pimp, whatever, whatever it is, a gangster, and literally change their life. Like, there was some scientists that said, like, their DNA, when you get saved, your DNA even change. Hence, regeneration, right? Regeneration, right? And it's amazing, like, because I remember when I wasn't saved, I wasn't even thinking about God at all. Like, I, I was thinking about girls, basketball, NBA, money, jobs, how I can do the next bad thing. I, I literally, like, I was a heathen. But when I got saved, right, it's the next day, literally, literally. I had all the Sports Illustrated girls on my, on my wall. I had all the porn. I had all my cassettes, Tupac, Biggie, Bone Thugs, Eminem, like, everybody. The next day after I gave my life to Christ, the next day I woke up and I was like, why is these things on this wall? You know, I was telling, man, what? Tupac? Nah. Ugh. Like, literally. I stopped messing with all the girls, right? And honor my, my wife. I stopped messing with everybody. And people that were close to me thought I was gay or something. Like, they're like, man, Pat, bro, like, you all right? You gay? I'm like, nah, bro. I, I don't know. I'm changed, bro. I'm serious. I'm like, nah. Hey, we going over so-and-so. How we going to park? Nah. Mm-mm. I, I can't. 
and, I, and at the time, I was timid. I didn't know how to relate to them. Because in the streets, you can't be, you know, a P-U-N-K. You know, you can't be like that. <laughs> you can't, because they're going to take advantage of you now. You know, it's like, that. how can I keep my machismo? How can I keep my, my thug thizzle? And still, you know, and still be cool, you know? So I battled the Lord. Like, I don't know what to tell them. I don't know. Uh, because I was respected, like people wanted to just do a lot for me because they felt I was their meal ticket. They thought I was going to make it to the NBA. So I'm serious. I could have had a big entourage if I wanted to, but I, I, was, I wasn't that dude. But people just naturally wanted to help me and protect me. Oh, that's Pat Abel, leave him alone, whatever. But I was still doing wrong, and I was still <laughs> doing what I was doing. But when I got saved, I didn't know what to do. I was like, Lord, how do I, how do I relate to them that I got saved? And what I'm feeling, I can't really explain it. I just know I'm different, right? But then when I came across that scripture, I was like, oh, that's what happened. Okay, ding, 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 ding. I found it. Any man being Christ, he is a new creation. And I started getting courage, and I started telling people, hey, man, nah, I, I gave my life to Christ. Man, he's done so much for me. I'm just not about that life no more. That's, that's how you say it in the hood. I'm not about that life no more. That's what you guys say. That's not me no more, man. I'm going another direction. I'm going to school. Really? Hey, oh, that's what's up, man. Hey, hey, you still playing ball? I don't know, man. I mean, we'll see what God want, want me to do, you know? And that was literally my disposition, uh, my speech. And eventually they respected it, and they left me alone. It took about six months, you know? Keep calling every week. Hey, can I come over and play? Nah, you know, because I already knew what they represented. I knew that they brought trouble. A lot of them were gang members. A lot of them were, you know, different gang members, you know? And I didn't want to be affiliated with that stuff anymore. But I wasn't a gang member. But you know how many I know... Bad company, right? Corrupts good character. So by default, by be hanging with them, I'm one of them, right? So they don't know that. The streets don't know that. I could be hanging with them, and I'm Mr. Bible, Thumper, Patrick in, in the hood, walking with my friend from the pop, 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 you know? And they wonder why. Why he got shot? He's a good man. He was good. He was, he was a sweet kid. Oh, man, T-shirts. No, that was <laughs> hoodies. Not me. Nuh-uh. That's not how my legacy, I ain't want my legacy to be like that at all. I'm being, I'm getting out the hood. And then after I got direction from God, I mean, I was purposeful. I said, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to Kingsborough. Then I'm going to go to York. And then after York, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going back to the hood. You know, <laughs> then I went down and got my master's and stuff like that. So I had a plan because I wanted to get out the hood. Even to this day, there's bullet holes, I'm sure, still in my windows. Still. And I live on the sixth floor. Sixth floor. Why is bullet holes in the sixth floor? People be on the roof. They shoot down. I mean, it was the hood. It was the hood hood, okay? <laughs> but that is the greatest miracle that God can change a man from slum, destitute, not even giving God glory, nothing. Not no God on their mind. I mean American gangster. Denzel Washington, American gangster all day, Russell Crowe, all day. And then change them. And they switch and they become a new person. Not even the world can understand it. They can understand, oh, it's superpowers, yeah, it's this, you know. They, because, you know, Avengers and powers, they can at least have a reference point in their mind. Like, okay, this is, well, if there's a God, well, maybe. But for someone to get saved to say, yes, I confess in my mouth the Lord Jesus, right? I believe that God raised him from the dead on the third day. I'm saved. And automatically, it's a change. And it's not fake. How did that happen? No laying on of hands, nothing. It's your faith that made you whole. That is amazing. That's a great miracle, amen? That, that is a great miracle greatest miracle to me I, 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 to this day I can't fathom it I just thank God that he sent his son to die for me hallelujah hallelujah 
Should God get a return on his investment? Should God get a return on his investment? We should be giving God our all. God, whatever you want me to do, what can I do to advance the kingdom? Whatever, God, whatever. That's honor. God, whatever you want me to do. I mean, even for me, you know, God has re, just re-changed things in my life. He repositioned things. He re, he's redeeming time. I said, God, oh, I mean, I wanted to get married. Oh, got a wonderful wife, the woman of my dreams, right? So I said, God, if I do that, if you've given me that, how much more? Oh, you know what? Then I'll change the schedule. I'll promote you. I'll do this. What? Like, I tell God, I'm, what, what does he want me to do? Like, whatever. Like, I, we sometimes, and it's good, and that's why we got to marry, right? Amen? Because even my wife, she has the same, like, it's amazing. There's never anything. There's never, oh, yeah, church too long. Why evangelism takes so long? Uh, you know, babe, why you always out work so late? It's none of that. It's just, man, what are we going to do? Babe, you the only person I know on a Monday. She tells me that every Monday. You dedicate your day off for discipleship, right? You the only person. Like, you wake up and you be on discipleship calls for like five hours. I said, babe, I told you. And we said it together. Man, God done so much for us. We're going to give him our all. Whatever he wants us to do, I'm there. Amen? And, and, that's, and that's honor. That's what it is. God, whatever you want me to do, whatever. I want to be at church. You want me to help somebody? Pastor said, go do this. Woman, do that. And my wife, she want me to do this. Like, whatever. I'm, Lord, I want to stay in your sweet spot. Lord, I want to stay in your sweet spot of honor. Whatever it is, I'm not perfect. I'm not a, I'm not a perfect man. You, Lord, I, you know that. But, Lord, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Let's go to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do, Lord. What's that song, whatever it is? (laughs) It's in the room. Whatever, God, whatever, God, I'll do it. Because he's just good, y'all. I mean, he deserves a return on his investment. And it doesn't take much. Sometimes it may think we need to preach. Sometimes it, 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 you know, it may, it may feel we need to do something grandiose, something with a lot of exposure. The next Billy Graham or the next uh, Catherine Kuhlman, the next uh, Evan Roberts, the next John G. Lake, the next Alexander Dobby. I need to build a city. I need to be my own chief, my own governor. It, it don't take all that. It, it doesn't. And if you understand the lives of these people, you know, the world calls them, you know, in Christendom we call them God's generals. But they've done a lot. But if you look at the backstory of a lot of that stuff, they were in similar or even worse position than we were. They were poor, sick, right, divorced, couldn't find the right person. Some of them even lost their families. I mean, embarrassed. I mean, a lot, a lot of stuff. But the simple stuff. I remember uh, Smith Wigglesworth, his wife, who will always go to church, uh, she was a believer. And he would be so annoyed and, 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 and mad. Like, and that's the spirit, you know. It's just, that's just what it is. Why are you going to church? You know, oh, well, I got to go to church. She was very honoring, right? She was, and no matter what, until one time he gave her an ultimatum. He said, if you go to church one last time, woman, <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm trying to say black. You go to church one, one last time. You see here, you come here and see if this lot to be the same. And she went to church. She said, you know what? I, I mean, all right, well, I'm going to church. Went to church, and she was a preacher too. Went to church. She came back. Door was locked. <laughs> she couldn't get in. And this is in England, y'all. So it's cold. It's cold. And uh, she sat. 
on the stoop, we call it stoops, or the, the stool or the patio area, the front of their doorstep, and she laid there for the whole night, the whole night, because she wanted to honor her husband no matter what. And he opened the door that next morning. He saw her, said, you was here all this time? Yes. Oh, what would you like for me to cook you for breakfast? That, that, that threw him off. That was like, what in the... And that little old speech, you know, can you imagine, like, what? Like, you, know, you know? But man, that, he felt the love that day. Uh, and apparently, after all the ad- admonishments, hey, I want you to preach. Her, her wife, I mean, his wife always tell him that. Hey, why don't you preach? You have a preacher voice, you know? And people would tell him that. He's like, nah, nah, nah. But finally, he said, babe, I'm coming to church. She's like, what? Okay, let's go to church. Then he got saved. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then we know him as the great Smith Wigglesworth today, right? Punching people in the stomach, getting them healed, right? Laying hands on everybody, getting them healed. Like, that's what it takes. So don't look at the end story, right? Look at the back story. Seriously. So you can, we, we, we here, we are all here. We all can relate to everybody's backstory. So none of us is better than nobody. We are who we are by the grace of God. Amen? Amen. So Matthew 28, 19, 19 through 20. Jesus says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the, of the world. So Jesus commissioned us, number one, to go, which is an action, right? He's talking about evangelism. Here's our segue into evangelism. Jesus tells us to go. This is an action. He also tells us to teach all nations, which is his word. Then he says to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost, in which we did last week, right? We had a great baptism last week, right? And he says, teach those we come into contact with and make disciples, teaching them the word of God. So again, teach those we come in contact with and make disciples. So you can't teach you can't teach a discipline without students, right? So we need to make, that's what he says, make disciples. Go out and gather people and make disciples, teaching them. Teaching them what I've taught you. Teaching them what you've learned. Teaching them your life experience. Teaching them how you got saved, right? That's the whole purpose of it. That's what he wants us to do. Go ye forth and preach and teach and baptize and, and teach some more. This is the same vision of our pastor. This is a segue into our pastor's vision, y'all. This Jesus' vision, anyone say Jesus' vision, is our pastor's vision. Evangelism. Evangelism. Hallelujah. (laughs) Evangelism. How can we get people in, y'all? Evangelism, right? And we don't want to be like God, I mean, like those people in Israel, when God rescued them, he brought them back out of Persia, you know? And and if you look at that story, there will be, um, Artaxerxes will give one decree. Another king will come in and deny that decree. And then they'll, they'll go back and forth in litigation and all that. And it was like, all right, all right, all right. No, no. I'm finally doing it. It was always a struggle. So it wasn't that easy. But at the same time, God rescued him. He allowed him to go back into Jerusalem and build that wall, right? But we don't want to be them that's focusing on our stuff other than God's agenda. We don't want to focus on our craft and playing the organ or the drums or singing or whatever. Like, it's because of God's, God's ability in us that we're able to do what we're doing anyway, right? I'm able to be a police officer, now I'm all might. Like, it's a dangerous job. But I do it with peace because I know, like, I'm with God. 
I'm putting him first. So no, it, it doesn't come with sorrow. It comes with the blessing. I get paid, right? I'm safe, but my ability is in God. I remember even talking to one of my bosses one time. Man, Pat, you're a good officer, whatever. You know, they, he tries to talk to me nice. He's not there no more. But I told him, um, even our, our former captain as well, in addition to him, he was like, Pat, you, you know, um, what makes you good? What makes you that? And they were always asked that. And then the one time I had an opportunity to speak with my, with my executive chief, the chief, and we was in a car one day and I was driving him to a meeting. He said, you know, Patrick, I, I, I don't, like, tell me your story. Why, how come you, you grown to be a good man? Like, and what he was really saying was like, why are not more between the lines? How come you not like the mother dudes in the hood? That's really what he was saying. And I said, I said hey, chief, you know, um, respectfully, you know, I got saved. I gave my life to Christ at an early age, at 18, 19, you know, and I never looked back. And God gave me that perspective. I, I just had a change of perspective on life, and I understood what was more important. I understood that that was not life. That was death. That was bondage. That wasn't real. And, and I had good parents. I honored my parents in the same conversation. My parents did the best they could. My dad would always be hard on me, you know, and I was still knucklehead. However, when I got saved, it all came together. And I just started having some sense. <laughs> That's what I told him. And, you know, and I always wanted to be a police officer. It's true to my nature. I'm good with people. I'm not frazzled in a lot of crisis moments or whatever. I'm calm in crisis. I could talk to people. I could help people. I could do multiple things at once, you know. And I said, well, I believe I should be a police officer, you know. Everything was gearing towards that. Every person I met, I wanted to do security so bad. Oh, man, how are you, how, how you a security manager? How, you know, oh, I should be a police officer. Like, dang, man. I just want to be a security manager. I just want to, you know, do some scheduling. I just want to hire people. I just want to, you know, have that corporate feel, wear the suits, and, and, and walk through Rockefeller Center and, you know, and all that kind of stuff like they do. But everybody I met that was in a higher position, they were either FBI agents. They were either ex-police officers. I'm like, man, so experiencing God, this is something that we went over. What is God doing? Look what God is doing. Look what he's bringing in your, in your realm. What should you be doing, Patrick? Not security, why, why do security you don't got a gun anyway? Like, you, you know, and you in New York, okay. So, I, I, you know, after I moved here, I became a dispatcher, and then I, I immediately transitioned. Like, a year, I went to the academy for like nine months, and a lot of you who were here remember that time. Like, I was working 12-hour shifts, going, and then after getting off in the morning, going to the academy, which you had to pay attention, they'll kick you out. They will kick you out that classroom, and you won't get no money back. So I was like, dang. So I would have to go there, take a 30-minute nap, dress in the car, put my uniform on, my tie, my clip on, go there, and just to hear, teach about law, penal code, and CCP, criminal code procedures, constitution, all that stuff on a tired mind. I'm like, I'm tired. Lord, I'm tired. But after nine months, I became, you know, I got sworn in or whatever. But, <laughs> and I remember, um, you know, when I was in the hiring board, uh, one of the sergeants, he showed me after I became a police officer, he showed me. He said during the interview, he, had, he showed me the paper, the original scan paper. He said, what does that say? I was like, wow, you said that about me? He said, yep. He said, I knew it. He said, he put it, will be an excellent police officer. That's what he said. And I wasn't even applying for a police officer. He said, will be an excellent police officer. So, you know, sometimes you got to look what God is doing, right? 
and it's hop on the train. That's it. Hey, God is going here. Hey, we going, we going to Australia. That's where he's moving. Hey, hey, we going to Australia. We going, we going to do 10 minutes in Australia. <laughs> Whatever. This is hop on the train. Hey, we going to Africa. We going to uh, Sierra Leone. Now, nah, I'll be like, whoa, Lord, Sierra Leone? But if I see this, this he's working, he, people are getting healed, there's a revival, there's favor, nations are coming, they funding stuff. Well, God is, God is, God is at work. Join it. Right? Join the vision. So a lot of people I disciple, I say, hey, man, hey, if you want to know what God's doing for your life, what is he doing? Like, just, just give them the basic stuff, the basic, basic stuff. Forget about the expert stuff, the very technical and intricate stuff about what he wants you to do, whether he wants you to be a, you know, a preacher in, in Australia, whether he wants you to be a minister at your local church, whatever, like all those things. Just get on the train. What is he doing at our local church? What is he doing? Get on the board with that, right? Oh, I asked one person. He said, yeah. He said, God is going to church. I said, exactly. I said, so what, what do you think you should be doing? I should get on with it. I said, that's it. You're experiencing God, right, Elder Lundra? We went through that whole series. That was excellent. And that's how a lot of us hear God and we experience God by our environment, our circumstances, where God is moving. Is God over here? Is God over there? All right, is God at KCOH or he's at whatever, Mo Better Baptist Church, whatever that pastor be saying. <laughs> Greater Mo Better Baptist Church down the street. I don't know where people are closed down. They're more strict than the government. You can't come into your vaccine, put your mask on. And we're like, what? Like, don't you know we got an edict like King Darius that says you can't shut churches down? You can't mandate vaccines? And, you, and you're doing that? Like, man. So here at KCOH, God is moving. So everybody should be coming to KCOH. I say that prophetically. Amen. We should be here. People outside should be here. And that's all that matters, y'all. That's all, that, that's all that matters. So let me, let me tap into what pastor's vision is, right? We said it's the same thing as Jesus. Jesus' vision is our pastor's vision. Our pastor's vision as an under-shepherd. Remember, he's a man of authority under authority, right? Jesus is his, his, his ultimate authority. God is his ultimate authority. Our pastor's vision as an under-shepherd is to promote Jesus by way of evangelism. That's been pastor's vision forever. Since I've known pastor, since I've heard about pastor, even, you know, back in the day when he was talking about the truth, the truth by hip hop, even that he tied evangelism to it. He tied ministry, he tied youth, like getting souls was always his thing. It was always on his heart. He always wanted to do what Jesus did and wanted us to do. Second, our pastor's vision is to go out and bring people in. Why? To get them saved, right? To equip them. And to help them develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. We don't come to church just to clap for our pastor. We don't do that. That's not, it defeats the purpose. You know, you can do that from home. Like, just clap on the screen. Hey, you know. Now, we come here, number one, as Christians, churches are for believers, right? We come here. We come together. We eat, right? We get some good food, some good teaching. And then we go out and, and disseminate our food that we've received. That's the whole purpose. And then develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the main thing. Salvation is personal, right? Salvation is personal. So it's like because pastor is saved, we can't live vicariously through pastor and say I'm saved too. It is a personal decision, right? And when we get baptized, right, we do that externally. We want people to see. We want to profess Jesus Christ as Lord, right? It's an outward expression of an inward 
devotion, right? Hey, I want to show who I worship. This is what baptism is all about. I, I was dead and I rose, meaning I was dead to sin, but now I'm alive in Christ, right? That's all it means. It's a representation. And then you develop a relationship with Jesus Christ by reading your word, by praying, coming to church, uh, touching and agreeing with other, other uh, with like-minded believers. That is the whole purpose of it. And that's what pastor wants. He wants to equip people to develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He spent several weeks on assignment. That was not for him. That was helping us show us what we should be doing. Hey, what is God telling you to do? What is he telling you to do? What is it? Right? It is, that's your purpose. Now, nah, you're not just a police officer. Now, nah, you're not just working at the gas station. No, you're not just working at the mechanic shop. No, you're not just working at a uh, uh, health care No, you're not just working at a school district. No, you're not just a person just being sucked up and, and occupied and thrown out by Babylon. No, we are men and women of God. And pastor is trying to equip us with that. Not trying, he has. I take that out the atmosphere. He has, he has done that. He has done that and he continues to do that. Our pastor's vision is Matthew 6.33, right? Ain't that the moniker of our church? Matthew 6.33, seeking the kingdom first. He's seeking the kingdom first. Putting God first, honoring God and everything, putting the money where it go. I mean, just honoring. He dresses with a suit every, every Sunday. He's honoring not only God, but us, right? He, he's honoring in his, in his speech, honoring in his presence, he's honoring in the way he takes care of his home. He's honoring on how he, he shows us how to lead as men. He's honoring us, how he teaches other, he te- him, uh, him and First Lady teaches the woman how to love their husbands and disciple them. That is honoring. Like he's honoring us, but ultimately he's honoring God. Right? When Jesus died, it says he ascended, right, and gave gifts unto us, right? Let's go to Ephesians 4 and 11. Ephesians 4 and 11. And when you're there, say amen. Take your time. I want you to be telling the truth in church. He was <laughs> amen. You don't be there yet. Amen when you're there. When you see verse 11, you see chapter 4 and you see verse 11. <laughs> Because I want to make sure you see it so that it can, it can, your soul can receive it. Sometimes we hear things, but we also have to see it too. So our subconscious can pick it up. We can have a reference point in our mind. Amen? So I'm assuming everybody's there, right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And it says, he gave some apostles, right? And some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's it. For the edifying of the body of Christ. So not only has he given us gifts, right? But he gave us those gifts, which are pastors, right? Which are apostles, which are prophets, evangelists, and teachers. He gave us all of those, fivefold. That's what the fivefold comes in, right? And our pastor is fivefold. We do have a hub here of all those gifts. We do. We do. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Everybody say work. Everybody say work. For the ministry. There you go. For the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what it is. So God gave us all those gifts. He, God didn't want us to go outside just willy-nilly, just blind, just, just 
just doing it. OJT, on the job training. Hey, go and no, no, we have a hub here. We have the SAT. Pastor teaches us the SAT, how to be SAT technicians, right? He teaches us how to love people, how to talk to people, how to endear people, how, how to have compassion on people, how to, how to bring people in, how to give them the gospel, right? And if there's rebuttals, how to do this, how to do that. Take your time. Study the word. Hey, you know, love your wife. Study your wife. Like, he teaches us all these things. And that's what it says right here, for the perfecting of us, so that we don't have any lack, so that we can be instructed we could be learned right and that's what made peter so so powerful because peter was an unlearned man peter like that's what made it so he was an unlearned man had to go teach the pharisees who were learned so it's like that's that's weird right but god uses the foolish things of the world right to confound the wise (laughs) amen so we, but God in the natural, like here, after all that, right? So that, that was pre-church, right? But now, now we are the church, right? In the book of Acts, we became called Christians and all that kind of good stuff. Now we are the church. So now we do have a manuscript. We do have instructions, right? No longer what, although Peter was an apostle, but no longer was a personal experience like that needed per se, right? Now we get it through the word. We get it through the spirit, right? God has given it multiple. Peter had to replicate himself. By teaching everybody, even when Paul, when Paul got saved on the way to Damascus, um, and that whole ordeal when his eyes were blinded and, and Ananias had to open his eyes and everything, like even in that moment, Paul went away. Like Paul went away for about fourteen years, I believe, in, in Arabia or something, and he had to learn the word. And even when he felt commissioned and, and compelled to come back and teach, he said, "No, nah, I got to go meet with Peter. You know, I got to make sure what I'm teaching is right." That's equipping. You see what I'm saying? God doesn't want us to be blind. Like when we going out there, oh, I can't see what to do. How do I talk to this person? How do I bring them the gospel? No, that's why we come to church. That's why we learn, right? That's why we, that's why we give our life to Christ so that he can teach us, so he can equip us. That's the whole point. It's very simple. And even when he met with Peter, <laughs> Peter was convinced. Like, wow, like, yeah, you was learning something over there. Yeah, you good. Go ahead. I'm called, I'm called to the Gentiles. All right, go ahead, man. Go ahead. And then later on, there was another issue, too. P- Paul kept bringing Gentiles over, and Peter had to, every time Paul bring them in the midst, all the Jews would just be like, I don't know. I just, so, hey, bro, like, they say, like, the gospel not just for the Jews. It's, it's in the Gentiles, too, right? Romans 116, for the Jews and the Gentiles, right? It's not just for them. And Peter, and I was like, hey, you know, you're right. Go ahead, do your thing. Hey, this, these instructions, he gave, he gave Gentiles specific instructions so that we can partake in the grace of God. Amen? So we can be grafted in the seed of Abraham so we can properly learn and teach the word. Amen? So how do we honor our pastor and his vision? There's two parts. How do we honor our pastor and his vision? If you're writing, write this down. Number one, we recognize his difference. We recognize his difference. Our pastor is not our friend, right? He's not our homeboy. <laughs> he's not our man. That's my man. All that. He's not, our, he's not our, our, our neighbor. He's our pastor. He has been ordained to teach and equip us with the word. And we have to honor him for his difference, right? I'm not pastor. So sometimes we go outside, right? <laughs> and they be like, hey, are you the pastor of that church? No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm a member. And I'm inviting you to come see my pastor. Like, they're always, you know, like, no, like, ask who's the pastor. Don't just automatically assume. And don't, act, don't get the Absalom spirit either and be like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm a minister of the gospel. And I, yeah, I preach at KCOH. And I, no, nah, man, hey, be humble, abase yourself, right, and let God get all the glory. That's it. 
No, 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 that's my, no, pastor, pastor Ron DeLong is the, is the angel that I have. He's the teacher that I have. That's his church. Yeah. And I'm inviting you to come because it's an awesome word. It's an awesome word he preaches every Sunday, every Wednesday. You should come and figure it out. Come and figure it out and come and be about it as well. <laughs> Number two, we thank God for him. We thank God for the gift. He is a gift. Literally. The Bible, call, Jesus died. He said he gave us gifts unto men, right? He gave us, as he ascended, so he left gifts for us. He left it in Ephesians 4 and 11. He's a gift. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a prophet, you're a teacher, an evangelist, whatever, like you are a gift to God, right? And that's why it's so important to get into your assignment because you begin to understand your gift and you begin to understand the, the saliency of who you are, the, the importance of who you are. In Christ. You're not just a regular man and woman of God. No. You are a man and woman of God. Amen? <laughs> he wants to use you. Every single person. He wants to use. Every single person. It don't matter who you are. You are great in him. Because we have the power of God living on the inside of us. Right? So we're believers. Pastor has, you know, prayed for us. He's laid hands on us. He's sojourned with us during tough times, you know. He's, he's got us healed. He's given us words of knowledge. He's told us to do different things at different times, different instructions, right, a Raymond word, right on time word. He preaches great. He teaches us good. He loves us. He, I mean, gives, he, takes, he takes the 31 pearls out. He does stuff for the men. He pours into us. I mean, he does so much. We need to honor our pastor for his difference. Amen? Amen. Number three, we subscribe to his vision, right? We subscribe to his vision. Just like we subscribe to Netflix and Amazon and Amazon Prime, you know, and we actually pay money for that. This is free. But, you know, hey, subscribe to the vision. Subscribe to it, which is the big picture to get people saved, right? The big vision. We subscribe to his vision, the big picture to get people saved to permeate our communities with the gospel, have different, different campuses, right? The vision is big for KCOH. The vision is big, and it's, it's big. I mean, it's going to get bigger. So let's subscribe to that. Number four, we quickly adjust. We quickly adjust to fulfill the vision. We quickly adjust to fulfill the vision, right? Hagar wanted them to repent, right? And prioritize building God's temple? Because repent, repenting is an immediate, it's an immediate change, right? It's, an, it's a quick adjustment. You turning. It's, a, it's quick. It's an action. He wanted, he, uh, Hagar wanted uh, God, God's people to prioritize building a temple over themselves because God had a big picture. God wanted Israel to stand out. That's the whole thing. When you read the whole Bible, y'all, when you read from Genesis to Revelation, God is just not favoring a certain people just because there's no other people. That's the people he chose, right? But not only that, since he chose them, he tried to set them apart. He wanted them to have the stain of him on them. Like, he wanted the world to see that this is the way he wants people to live. That's the whole Bible. That's the whole point of it. That's it. That's why he wanted to dress differently, right? He didn't want them to partake in the idolatry and worshiping uh, Athena and, uh, you know, all those weird idols and, you know, Baal Asherith and Baal and all. He didn't want that because he wanted, he's like, no, no, that's what they do. 
but you're my people, so let me create a hub of people that's no matter where they go, they're going to they're be ambassadors for me. They're going to bring my culture of heaven here on earth. Everything, everything was synonymous, the tabernacle, the feast, everything, the, the way they built the court, the courtyard and everything. You know, the holies of holies, it was the, 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 <laughs> the outer court, the inner court. All of that is symbolic to how it is in heaven. Right, so God wanted the whole purpose of the, of the temple at that time was because obviously Solomon he, he went wayward and then uh, David went wayward and all that kind of stuff and then Babylon besieged them right right they got besieged by Babylon and then uh, uh, Medo Persia came in and conquered Babylon and after ba- and after Medo Persian Alexander the Great came and conquered the world and after Alexander the Great there was the Roman Empire and the biz- it was so many stuff they went through a lot. But they still stood, right? The coach is still here today. It's because that's why Ezra, that's why he sent them back to build. Hey, reestablish our culture. Reestablish the kingdom culture. Go back. Like, I've touched King Darius' heart. Go back to Jerusalem and build that temple. Build my house up so that the future generations, even us here today, can see how good I am, right? That's the whole, that's the whole point of God choosing Israel and this, no matter where they went. They were a problem for that environment because they didn't go with, they didn't, they didn't mesh. They didn't mesh well. That's the, so when we, when, no matter, the same goes for us. That's how we know today when we go to certain places, right, we are different. We are different. This is something my wife and I like to listen to in fun. It's called uh, different, right? It's something different about us, right? When we come into our workplace, uh, my chief, hey, there's something, why are you like that? I was like, man, you, you know, you have a great teaching gift. Not only that, but there's something else about you. It's the Holy, like, it's God smiling on you, man. He wants you to be different. That's the whole purpose. No matter what environment you're in, you have the shoes of the gospel of peace, right? So we go into every environment, we bring peace. It's different. Like Pastor said, he, he uh, 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 just imposed on that fight that was going to happen at the bank in the Starbucks or something like that, right? He's a man of God, so he brought peace in the situation. He stepped in, and everything changed, Right? Peace be still. Hold on, man. Chill out. Hey, man, it's not worth it. Hey, chill out, man. It's not worth giving your life. Like, we, like we're different. We should permeate our environments. We should make things different. We should have the stain of God on us. Like, when we go, and no matter where we go, we can go to Israel. We can go to Africa. Man, those are some Christians over there. Like, something is different. And that's how you win them. Right? The spirit of God, God said that it's, it's not us who really draws them. It's, the, it's God's spirit that's in us that draws them, right? So that's what they see. They feel it. They can't see it. It's invisible. It's like, man, like something is different about Dwayne. Something's different about Roy. Yeah, he's not just a regular employee at my organization. He's different. He's very honorable. He dresses good. Like, he speaks as well. Like, bro, what's up with you, man? What? Oh, then that's it. Give him the gospel. Hey, I'm a Christian. You know, I go to, I go to KCOH. Man, God has been blessing my life. Right? I mean, man, since, I get, since I've given my list, my, my list, my life to Christ, nothing has been the same. Nothing has been the same. Nothing. And that's the time to evangelize by being different. All right, number five, we pray for him and his family. Amen? We pray for him and his family. Pray for first lady. We pray for pastor. Pray for his children. Pray for his arrows. Right? They call it arrows because they go further. They go forward. They're going to go further. When pastors it goes to be with the Lord, his children will carry the legacy, right? And they'll go further. And they don't have arrows of their own. And, you know, if Jesus doesn't tarry and come back, right? But they, it would just, arrows go forward. They shoot forward. So that's why we pray for him and his family. Number six, we honor him in sowing. Amen. We honor our pastor in sowing. Amen? 
every third Wednesday is a lot of that. But, it's, but see, here's the thing. It's not so much a dishonor, right? We have, we're honoring him, but also we become partakers of his grace when we give because we sow in good ground. So when we sow into pastor, right, everything that he's experienced, the giftings, the, I mean, that's why it's like what Jesus said, greater works what you do, right? It's the same thing. When we sow into pastor, pastor don't want to, oh, it's on me. No, nah, he, wants, he wants to get something to, to us. He wants to get something to us. That's it, and that's the best way to do it, by sowing, putting your money where your mouth is, right? That's, that's the word of the street. May you believe, then put your money where your mouth is at, man. But for some reason, when it comes to the church, it's like it should be free. Why they ask for money? There's several times passing when he's doing offering. People get up and walk out. This church about money. Not giving us a chance to hear the word or nothing. Just, just I'm out, I'm out. It's, it's the church about money. It's talking, it's talking, and I'm tired of that. But there's a mercy with that, I understand, right? Give God a chance. Like, you've given a drug deal on the street your chance, chance. You let him use your car. You know what he's going to do in it. You let them stay in your house. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know if they got needles on them. You know what I'm saying? So why not give God a chance? Give him a chance. Offering time, people leave. That is just so bizarre to me. Like, just give God a chance. So we're going to sow into our pastor, right? Every, th- every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, my wife and I, we have a, we have a number in mind. We... we typically sow 320 or more, 320 every Wednesday, every Wednesday, I mean every third Wednesday, and then as we're led, in other days we'll give, but it, it is to partake in his grace, not only is it honoring, but think, it, it's a two-way street, that's great, not only am I giving one way, but I'm receiving something the other way, amen, so just, just, just give, man, just, just give to pastor, and just try it out, <laughs> try it out, if you don't believe nothing else, try that, try, it, it will work, I promise, it will work. All right? And he's worthy of double, double honor. First Timothy 5 and 17. Right? <laughs> Those who rule well are worthy of double honor. And let's go to uh, Hebrews 13, 17 real quick. Put that on the screen. Hebrews 13, 17. And it's our last point for that. Number seven, obey our pastor's God-given instruction. That's the last point of that. Obey our pastor's god given instruction. Verse 17, verse uh, 17, yeah, in Hebrews, it says, obey them that have rule over you, right, which is our pastor, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy, and not with grief, for that is not... (laughs) That is not profitable for us. It is not. It is not. So, Pastor, he watches for our souls when we're, in, when we're home and we're driving, going 100 miles an hour down the street or whatever, having fun with our fast cars or when we're building our homes and while we're uh, having great fellowship with our spouses and while we're having great spouses with the other singles and going around, having fun, and, and going, you know, going to work, and, and, you know, having a good time on work, whatever, just enjoying life and everything, pastor is back praying for us. He don't, he, he's not a lot of times just be chilling doing what we do. Like, he literally prays for us. That's his job. It says he'll be held, he'll be held accountable. He, it says right here that he, mu- he must give an account. He has to give an account on how we turn out. We're like his children. God looks at us like that. Hey, your church, how come everybody in there broke? When we get to heaven, hey, in your church, how come everybody in there, they're getting a divorce and stuff? Why, why, why are people 
unforgiving in your church. You know? Like, why? Like the letters of the church of KCOH, to the angel of the church of KCOH. <laughs> you done this well, but this is what I have against you. You have so many divorces. You don't teach about money. You don't teach about prosperity. You prosper, but they don't prosper. All this type of stuff. Like, God will be, I mean, pastor will be held accountable for what, how we turn out, literally. So that's why when we go in the bow, we're, we're chilling and we're doing this. We're playing music. We're perfecting our craft on the bass, whatever. I mean, pastor's praying. He's praying for our giftings. He's praying that we see God. We're praying that we're healed. We're praying that nobody dies. He's praying, like, he is constantly praying. And that's all the more reason why pastors should not be bivocational. He should not. Our pastor should, this should be his sole, his sole job. Just like Joe Osteen, just like any other major pastor, that's why he should be just focused on us. So he can pray. He could be the priest at his house. He could just be in the office one time, you know, and, and when we get to 6100, have his own ensuite and just be praying, having his prayer pillow, his music, whatever he does, you know, and just hearing from God, being on his face, laying prostrate, prostrate, whatever he needs to do to hear from God so that we could benefit. It was just like Moses, right? Moses did all of that. Still couldn't go in the promised land for something he did that the people, so to speak, caused him to do. Struck the rock. Moses, that's the second time. First, you smash my tablets now. <laughs> like, come on, Moses. First, you're going to smash my tablets, and now you're striking the rock, which is reputation of Jesus Christ. Come on, man. Like, dude, I can't, like, I cannot, because I, I will go against my own law, my principle. I cannot. You can't go in the promised land, doc. You can't. You can't. But you'll see them going to the promised land, though. I'll give you that much. And Moses on the top of Mount Sinai <laughs> with his hands up. They ain't battle. They, Moses, keep your hand up. Some people had to go up, keep his hand up, you know, because when his hands fell, you know, they start losing. Oh, keep your hand up, Moses, you know. So that, so, but past, but, but Moses was doing a lot, man. Like, even his, I mean, God bless his father-in-law, Jethro. He's like, bro, you're doing too much, man. Like, come on, man, you're doing this. You're leading out the problem. You're doing miracles. Then you're organizing the tents. Then you're organizing the tribes. Then you, like, you got to go up to the mountain, come back down, and then, perform whatever you got to do. Then you got to give them instruction. Then you got to lead them. Then you got to give them, give them uh, navigation. And then every problem they have a problem. It's like millions of them in, in, in the... In the all got, oh, Moses, he, he took my thing. Moses, he did this to me. Moses, he punched in my face and I punched him back and he died. Moses, it was so much. And Jethro was like, hey, bro, like you one person? Ah, oh, I don't know how you do... Look, man, how about just get some leaders from each tribe that you trust? Okay. <laughs> And just get them and help yourself out because you're not going to make it. Your natural fit. You can't handle that. Not even we do that here in the United States, right? We got a, we got a governor. We got a lieutenant governor. We got a, a, a DA. We got a, a, a attorney general. We got everything. Like, it's a, it's a tier of leadership. We got the Texas Commissioner's Court. We got the, the how many circuit of courts. We got the federal legislation court. We got so many different things, and it's a channel. Because one person, Governor Abbott, can't do that. He can't do it by himself, right? Although he's the governor, right? He's like how Joseph was in, in Egypt. He, couldn't, he can't do that. Although I, I think he's, he's a decent governor, amen? And I think God has, he listened to God for certain things, but he can't do it all by himself. He needs people that's going to further his vision, you know? Like, hey, go do what I told you to do and, and get it done. So we don't want to make pastor's job hard. Right? We want to honor his vision. We don't want him to be like a hey guy every time coming to, hey, y'all, you, you missing the point. God got us here to do this. You know how pastor be saying, yeah, like, let's just get into the vision, subscribe to it, right, which is evangelism. That's the number one thing pastor loves is evangelism, right? But before we go, before we close, I want to give you seven things 
Additional things, seven additional things to keep your honor up, to keep it working, to keep your honor up. So you can call this seven things to keep your honor up. Number one, read the Bible daily. Read the Bible daily. This will cause you to search your heart and keep your heart right. It will, it will cause you, you, you'll see something in the word that, that pricks your heart that you have to give to God and expose it to God and let him heal you. That's what reading the Bible daily does. And it has the opportunity to do it if you let it. Number two, listen to the word daily. Have a regimen. Listen to the word daily. So number one, read the Bible daily. Number two, listen to the word daily. Number three, study wisdom daily. Right? Wisdom keys, Mike Murdoch. You know, I mean, he has a great book on that. It's great wisdom, right? You got audible books, you know, with different, you know, some people listen to Charles Cabs and all the, whatever it is, whatever is, is your proof source of listening for wisdom, listen to that. And the, by the default one is Book of Proverbs, right? Proverbs has 31, right, chapters and stuff. Hey, read a chapter a day. It's a book of wisdom. Just open up Proverbs. You got different translations. You got the NASB version. You got the NLT version. You got the ESV version. You got the NIV, New KJV. You got so many versions. Uh, Amplify the message. Just read it. I mean, there's this one on every level of your reading. It doesn't matter. If you prefer King James, like, you know, sometimes I, I love the New Living Translation because it reads smoother for me and everything, but, and, it, and they do a good job of marrying both the Old and New English. Um, but uh, King James is the, is the main one. But sometimes I don't mind listening to Living Translation. I let it play out while I'm sleeping or while I'm going to work or something like that. I'll listen to a particular book. So you can do that. Just have Proverbs on and, and, and just listen to it. Number four, attend church regularly. <laughs> Amen? Attend church regularly. A lot of us do that, do that very well um, and continue to do that because, again, this is where we get fed. This is where we, we eat you know, um, and this is where we bless. We eat, we get a good word, we fellowship, right? And we go out and we disseminate what we eat. Number five, sing and praise God daily. <laughs> Amen. It, it, it is also, it's funny, man. It's, it's, it's amazing and it's funny at the same time. Sometimes I come home and, uh, you know, I hear a voice. And I'm like, who is in my house singing? I, 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 I was thinking sometimes it would be like the echo or something playing gospel. And I just hear, ah, hallelujah, hallelujah. you know, I, I just love that coming home. My wife be singing. She's, <laughs> she's like, oh, what an awesome. It makes me want to sing. And I be look, and I come up and I watch her. Yeah, you watch me the whole time. Yes, I was your church. I was praising the Lord. <laughs> she be like, what? Don't do that. You scared me. So I'm sorry, babe. I just wanted to hear you sing. So number five, sing and praise God daily. Always. And, I, and Thanksgiving, as Pastor always says, is the seed for Thanksgiving is the seed for more. Amen. So we always want to sing and thank God and praise God. All right. Number six, develop, a, develop and have a secret place with God. Just, you can just talk to God, pray, you know, meditate, meditate on his word. It could be anywhere in the house, the, the, part, uh, the breakfast nook or, you know, for me, a lot of time is in my car, for me, literally. It's in, I meet God in my car a lot of times. 
Um, it's just I, I don't think about nothing. I, I'm I'm free, you know. I, I for some reason that's just how it is. I'm free and I'm just talking to God. God and I be acting like He's right there. Well, He is right there, but just as a person, like I could see Him. I'm like, hey, you know, God, that was a crazy chase today, right? You saw how I was zooming through that traffic. God, thank you for thank you for keeping me safe. Though. I appreciate it, you know. But that. I got that. He, he got caught, though, huh, God? Yeah, I caught him. You know, I'll be talking, and, and, and it's our friend. It's, he is our friend, but I have a reverential fear for God, right? So we ought to have fear, fear of God and, and, and respect him and love on him and all that. But he likes just the fellowship, just the communion. Just talk to him, man. God, this, this is how my day went. What do you think I could have done better, God? Like, you know, it's just like spouse. We call it pillow talk, right? You with your spouse, you're just talking. Just, hey, man. How'd you like that house we saw today? It was nice, right? It's the same way. It's the same way. We, you know, just have that quiet, secret place. You talk to God. You pray to God. Um, and you just thank him. Thank him for being good and all that good stuff. All right, number seven, which is our last point. Remember, this is the seven points. Seven things to keep your honor up. Seven things to keep your honor up. This is number seven. Give God his first in everything. Give God his first in everything. Tithing, right? Thinking him first. You know, grace before food, whatever. That's why we do those things. It's, it's a form of honor, right? You know, like I said, before I do anything with money that I just received, <clears throat> I'll give it to God. Hey, God, here's my tenth. Thank you, right? Thank you. Before I eat, sometimes I'll be hungry. You could forget a little bit, right? You <laughs> <laughs> the, the fork, oh, I'm hungry. The fork come right here. I right, thank you, Father. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we do that all the time. We play. We're trying to see you're going to forget sometime. I, I watch you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Like, oh, you got me, you know. So we play a game like that sometimes, but we always want to give God first, literally. Every restaurant we go to, even when I'm out, obviously you want to practice wisdom because some people don't believe what you believe. But you say, hey, is it okay if I bless the food? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go. And, I'll, and I'll do it, you know, because I'm in their space. But when I'm in my space or whatever, oh, we give thanks to God. I mean, it's just, it's normal. Every dinner, every snack, God, thank you for this food. Amen. God, thank you for this food. Thank you for making a nourishment to our body. Father, we thank you that you've given us power to remove all impurities for this food. In Jesus' name, thank you. That it's a blessing to our, whatever you want to say. But just thank God. Thank God. Amen. Every head bowed. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. 